Hello, welcome adventurers to the 30th episode of the Travelogue, podcast which I, Stephen Hoffer, and pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of encounters you can run in the area, and what type of characters you can create whose backgrounds are based in the area. This week, we're covering Iriabor and Burdesque. Lily, what do you like about the Harpers? I mean, they're a bunch of bard spies. What's not to like? <laughs> I, that's true. That's true. Very, it's very fun that they're like bards, but they have the kind of espionage aspect to them. Do you think that they are like fun, more fun to play or more fun to add to a campaign as a DM? I think it would depend on the campaign for that one. Like, I think they could be a fun source of, like a fun patron source of quests. Right. And to add them to a campaign, they're always nice if you just need any kind of, you know, secret organization working behind the scenes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, kind of, do you, when you have them in in the game, do you just kind of add them to whatever kind of quest arc you have, or do they have their own goals that you kind of have them go through throughout the game? I mean, I usually, if they're going to get added into a quest arc, then I'll usually try and think of what they're doing Mm -hmm. in the broader scheme of things, just because... I mean, maybe one of you might latch on and be like, I'm going to start, you know, fucking around with the Harpers. And it's like, okay, well, you better have that. You know what I mean? But it's... Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. You like to dangle the factions out there as like potentials, but never, never force anyone into it. Well, it's nice to just like... I don't know, like with everything, when you, uh, with everything, when you plan a world, you can get way too specific and focus in on stuff that never comes up. And so it's like, I'll usually have a broad sense of what these guys are doing if they're related to the kind of plot of the campaign. If they're not, then it's like, whatever. But if they are, then I'll have a broad sense of what they're doing in case y'all latch onto it. Also, in case I need just like a see, like in the most recent quest with Duke Nightingale being replaced and stuff, it was just like, well, I want a secretive person there that's already sus to help the party out who's like weird right well the easiest thing is just like everyone in the game already knows who the harpers are i don't really have to explain why he's here or what he's doing because y'all already know this is what the harpers do they infiltrate noble courts yeah right they're 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 a little flavor that so if you know the world of DD, are very like easy to put in it's like putting paprika on a sandwich just yeah a little bit exactly and it's like my Harpers are going to be a bit different than the ones written in the DMG or whatever, because it's my world. And there's going to be other factions too, but it's like, it's just, sometimes it's just easier to pull something that y'all already know what it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rather than have to make, like explain it to you. Especially if it's just like in, like for this example, there was no reason for you to learn anything about his faction. And so it was easier to just be like, yep, here you go. He's a Harper. Now, you know, also one of our players is a Zentarum. So it was really nice to be like, ah, rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It adds, adds that aspect. Yeah. Cool. Iriabor, or the City of a Thousand Spires, occupies a sprawling ridge above the north fork of the river Chianthar. It is the farthest that barges can be pulled up the river, and this, combined with the fact that the city is the endpoint of roads coming out of Cormir in the Inner Sea, makes Iriabor one of the most populous and economically powerful cities in the region. Space to build on is at a premium atop the ridge, so Iriabor's traders and other citizens have adjusted by building up instead of out. Many storied towers rise from all quarters of the city, joined by bridges and bristling with balconies, so that the most of the narrow, winding streets are left permanently in shadows. Eribor's great merchant houses compete to build the highest, richest, and most, most fantastically bizarre towers, uh, thinking to attract business the way peacocks attract their mates. 
Like peacocks, who fight when looks alone cannot decide engagements, the great houses of Erebor sometimes conspire to topple each other's towers using magic or hired adventurers to confuse the trail. I love the peacock analogy there deciding on here it's fantastic <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a good it's a good analogy yeah it's just a fantastic way like when someone's approaching the city you can be like the city reaches for the stars reaches for the sky behind the walls like a peacock tail unfurling before you mm-hmm. um super super vivid description there yeah eribor is really cool we kind of did the city aspires thing that was my i changed Velen yeah. in our current campaign to be City of Spires, and it was more of an Elven Spire than like this Merchant Spire thing, which I feel are two distinct flavors of towers. Yeah, this is also but... very cramped towers. Like, uh, yeah. do you have the the map of Eribor uh, pulled up? No, but I can. Yeah, pull it up just so we kind of you kind of comprehend. But like, it's the ridge that Eribor is main Eribor is yeah. like the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's still some more settlements around the ridge on the lower half. Yeah, it's small. But the ridge is like kind of the peak part and then everything's kind of building up to meet that. But it's uh it's it's really cool. Yeah. I feel like Eribor doesn't ever get the love or credit it deserves because this is such a fantasy staple. Yeah. Yeah, like this the towering buildings even though it's it's uh, fantasy or like kind of medieval. It's very cool. Yeah, and the fact that it's on like this little, um, they're calling it a ridge, but it's just like this little kind of island in the middle of this big river. Mm -hmm. No, it's a ridge. Right, that's a mountain. That's a mountain, yeah. The river's to the side of it. Sorry, the map, it looked like the river was going around it. But yeah, it's cool. It's like on the peak of this mountain right next to a river. It's super, super flavorful and cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Travelers are advised to beware the constant, many-layered, often violent intrigues between the many merchant houses, families, and cabals of the city. Eribor is like Waterdeep gone mad when it comes to merchant manipulations, chicanery, and maneuvering. Zentarum machinations achieved the brief but iron hand rule of Zentarum sorceress lord Ravendas over the city. She attempted to unearth the dangerous Shadow King and his shadow magic from beneath the city. Since that time, the harbors of Burdusk have kept a close watch on Eribor. So this Shadow King is Vereketh Talembar, who was an ancient king of the now-dead Telfer people, not the Nethri's Lich, Shadow King. This Shadow King was apparently in control of some sort of shadow magic, but was also bound and tricked by a bard and was defeated by someone playing a certain song. So while I'm sure he's very cool, he also got his butt kicked by some music. Right. I feel like this rings a bell. But yeah, super cool. I love to see this is it coming up again, that Zentarum Harper rivalry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah, super cool. I think there's some... Yeah, par- apparently the the ridge that, that, that Erebor is built on is the like kind of like the carn of this Shadow right. King. I think it'd be really cool to um, bring him back. And uh, if it was long enough ago, just yeah. make it long enough ago. Like the Harpers were still a little baby organization. Actually, it just says he was tricked by a bard, not necessarily Harpers. I think it'd be a sweet quest line. He comes back and the, there's no way to beat him. The win condition is you have to perform this song for a certain amount of rounds and just survive. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. you could add on top of it, it only works if he's at 30% HP so that there's a reason to still attack him. Right. I think that could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. I really like that. And uh, I like this like idea of like the 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 merchants and the the people, they're not there. They're not going to like, not like Westgate where like everyone's out to get everyone. So like you need to watch your back against the merchants and against the the organizations because everyone's kind of like vampiric in nature 
they're just really against each other. So like the second you show up, it's not like people are going to be at your throat trying to rob you or kill you. It's going to be maybe people are going to be like, hey, like try to get you involved. And the second someone starts to talk to you from X merchant house, like the Taylor merchant house, the people from the Bronwyn merchant house come and be like, hey, you were talking to Taylor. No, no, no. Don't talk to Taylor. Who are you? Whose side are you on? Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not they're not at your throat trying to rob you or kill you. Yet They're at your throat trying to get your business. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Also, I love how many times in the lore you read a city and it's like this city is like water deep but shitty yeah exactly it's like <laughs> it's like every other every other city is just shitty water deep yeah it's like water we, guys we got it right once okay we can really make it good again <laughs> everything gets compared to water deep from this point on yeah <laughs> the ruler of iriabor is Bronn, a fallen paladin who once venerated eldath Bronn feels Erebor has resources to become another Waterdeep in strength and power if only he can keep the feuding merchant families from engaging in economic sabotage, excessive tower building, and cutthroat dealings. Aided behind the scenes in one way by the Harpers and another by the head of the current local thieves guild, Cormac, the lord of Erebor manages to keep the city out of all-out war between the merchants. Cool, just a guy trying to hold things together. I can't help but <laughs> yeah. I can't help but imagine him as Bronn from Game of Thrones just because of the name, mm. but Bronn would not yeah. do good at this. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I like to be like, okay, yeah, just if I could get these merchants to work together just a little bit better. Like just like hurting cats or like yeah. with a bunch of kids. It's a very funny idea. It's funny it's interesting as a fallen paladin, but it doesn't sound like he's disgraced. It's just doesn't seem to follow that yeah. the god anymore Just gave up his oath yeah and eldath is the god of like groves right oasis eldath is like in, in, just one of the forest nature days yeah he's forest the nature ones. he's the right. he's the neutral one right if i'm remembering correctly no the neutral one is sylvanas no no this is yeah eldath i'm pretty sure i'm not getting it wrong is the one that's like forest forest uh like like streams or like um also it's she she yeah yeah she's the neutral good guardian of groves mother of water mm-hmm. yeah that's it the green goddess yeah one of the very many forest gods so he, he became fallen when he gave into that uh that city living yeah went to a city i wish there was um a subclass for uh that fallen paladin yeah i don't like that there's it's only evil yeah well it's because just like i don't know oathbreaker specifically everyone's like if you break your oath you become an oathbreaker and it's like not necessarily because the actual oathbreaker subclass is like yo i have sex with fiends and uh, love undead yeah, right? and it's just like well no the, <laughs> to become a blackguard you specifically have to turn from good to evil you can still just break your oath and be like a normal guy yeah yeah i think that'd be cool the kind of like like this guy like yeah. Bron. he broke his oath and he stopped he's a fallen paladin but he's not a blackguard because he's not like eh, devils yeah he's like nah cities are kind of cool i like living in a house exactly <laughs> The ridge on which Old Erebor was built runs parallel to the river that divides the city into three parts. The most southerly of these narrow strips of land between the river and the ridge, crowded with warehouses, docks, boat building slips, muddy wagon trails, and heaps of garbage, which is called the docks. (laughs) Next is the ridge itself, called the Old City. Its rocky slopes crowned with forests of stone towers inhabited by the most successful merchants. Most of the important buildings in Erebor can be found here. The northernmost and largest district of Erebor is composed of the flatlands that have been enclosed by the city wall. They are known as the Lower City. 
Here can be found the shops and houses of common folk and laborers, the open markets, stables, tanneries, slaughterhouses, and other industries, and two fence merchant coaster way bases, a major base for the Thousand Heads trading coaster and the smaller center for the Dragon Eye dealing coaster. There's actually a really great map of the castle of Iriabor in the Powers of Faerun, which is like just a a, to- a tower. It's a it's a castle tower, but there's a really cool level by level yeah. map that you can find in Powers of Faerun. See, this is this is why you should run mm-hmm. that Shadow King coming back. Yeah, I've already got a map yeah, for his cool. lair. Fantastic! It's perfect. It's perfect. You fight him in his tower. He's a Shadow King. You kill him by singing a song and trapping him in like a harp, and then you go play the harp and it gives you shadow also just yeah it would be really fun place to start a quest or a small if you want to start very small or like just do a small little campaign to start the lower city of Erebor until you make your way to the upper city and the upper intrigue and like you know yeah like just yeah i I like that it's just if they've already got a map of it you got to find a way to make this castle fall into the hands of evil right of course of course whether Bronn becomes evil or or what have you or the shadow king comes back it just sounds so cool yeah you're just not castle (laughs) tower dungeon you got to go floor by floor in succession fighting a different boss on each floor classic raid oh yeah very classic that yeah perfect also i love how this one district the docks is just literally heaps of garbage yep heaps of garbage <laughs> they just throw them from the towers above yeah that's what i was picturing yeah. i love that everyone there has umbrellas and it's not raining and you're just like why do you have umbrella uh, right as garbage falls yeah. on your head <laughs> like it's the garbage water you gotta keep garbage the garbage water. water away yeah girl Iriabor is home to three important temples silent hall dedicated to aldath the golden bowl of the goddess, a temple to Shanti, and the high altar of the moon, called simply the moon tower by citizens, a center of worship to Saloon, a fourth temple, the Tower of Gold, venerated Joaquin. The shops of Erebor change with bewildering rapidity. Two have unusual wares. Give me wings to fly. This shop stands at the westernmost end of the tor, and which is the, the hill that Erebor's on, and looks like a tiny keep bristling with domes of metal mesh. The domes are actually pens keeping various aerial mounts for sale in the shop. Run by a mis- I would imagine I would imagine aerial mounts would be of high value in a city of spires. You go directly to your bedroom. Yeah. In your tower. Yeah, that's actually very true. Run by a mysterious group of wizards that is thought by some to be a semi-retired adventuring band. This shop particularly has pairs of griffins, four hippogriffs, a pegasus, perhaps an aerial steed or more exotic beast or two for sale at any given time. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I it like crazy useful for any party to get like a hippogriff or a pegasus, but also yeah. for it to be truly useful, I think the whole party needs one. You can't just be like Appa. Oh yeah, of course. It wouldn't be like game breaking if one person had it. It would be very good if one person had it, but I don't think it would be game breaking. Um, but uh, I mean, it just depends on your level. Yeah. Like at a certain level, a paladin can just summon a flying mount. So like yeah, exactly. And at level at level ten, a bard can summon a flying mount. So like yeah, and those ones are even better because it's just like I don't know. Have fun riding on your griffin when I knock it prone. Yeah, exactly. And you fall out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, really cool. Super cool. The well-dressed wizard, where mages can buy the latest, greatest cloaks, robes, hats, and staves. This shop stands just east of the moon tower, tall, crumbling, once grand old house that gives no hint of what's within except for the floating, glowing illusion of a wizard staff 
and a cloak that hovers endlessly above the double entry doors. Inside is a black carpeted, mightily warded, and exclusive shop where discerning mages with thousands of gold pieces to waste can buy grandly styled cloaks, robes, soft boots, or long pointed shoes, hats of all descriptions, and knobbed, gem-adorned, carved staves of fantastic appearances, but no magical powers at all. Some visiting nobles come here to buy clothes grander than that they can get anywhere else. My favorite thing, if this happened, would be um, if you ever plan on... If, for some reason, you read the Eriabor lore and way before you send your party there, or just if your party encounters a whole bunch of wizards that are all dressed in the classic ridiculous wizard clothes, because the classic wizard dress is ridiculous, like even Gandalf dress is kind of ridiculous. I love that this could be like the reason for that. Right. (laughs) You know, like you go in, they're like, you ask someone, you're like, where can I go to get clothes? They send you here and you go inside and it's just a bunch of wizards being like, oh, the height of fashion. (laughs) Look at this new robe. It's purple instead of gray and it's just a bunch of really silly look at this hat it's this hat has double points it's a double pointed hat yeah and someone else is like that's getting close to a jester hat though don't you think no it has the flat brim wizard hat Wizard hat, completely different <laughs> yeah i love that that's so funny i love this this i just love the image of a bunch of really old wizards in here talking about how this is the height of fashion and it's just like you know like a like a like a pink robe with stars yeah on it. <laughs> yeah they just have like yeah crazy curled hats shoes that are like i don't know like elf shoes they have like bells all over everything i don't know they just go crazy bedazzled just go just go wild with your wizard fashion yeah I love it. I also like that there's a temple to saloon here because there's not many of those. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to find. They're yeah, they're far and few between, so that's cool. I mean, it makes sense. Reaches up to the Moonrise yeah. Tower. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like the city's shops, its inns and taverns change with each passing month. This is especially true for the taverns, as one needs no special tavern license to run one. The city's taxes are paid on the original purchase on the original purchase of beer and spirits. The council doesn't care who sells the alcoholic drink to thirsty throats after that. The delightful inn, the sign of the Dreaming Dragon, has its own walled garden, a high-ceilinged tap room with balconies and great food. It is run by the halfling couple Jolie and Estelle, and it is one of Erebor's hidden treasures. Estelle is a healing priestess of Eldath and retired adventuress, and was once the member of the Fellowship of the Dreaming Dragon. The old talking ox was an inn founded by a retired mercenary who looked to give adventurers visiting the city a place to rest. The tavern is run by a group of 12 adventurers sponsors and is known for a good spot for mercenaries with good food. The wandering wyvern is a is three connected and converted homes that run as an inn with home cooked meals and mismatched furniture. It has a rustic charm that many appreciated. Yeah, inns don't stay for very long at all. Don't expect to go to the same one twice. Here's three. But um Here's three. Yeah. But aside from that, I love the idea that like, yeah, cool. All these taverns sound cool and unique and whatever you need, send your party there. But I really love the idea of well, also the sign of the Dreaming Dragon actually sounds really nice. I like the idea of an of a tavern that has like a bunch of uh fountains and water features because of Eldath, but that aside um i love the idea of you send your party to a yeah place and they go to a tavern and an inn and then they leave for the day and then they come back that night because it becomes the first place you go becomes your home base um you go back and like go to walk in and the door is closed 
locked right. and you like you're like wait what's going on and you knock on the door and some guy opens <laughs> yeah, and you're right. like, isn't this the isn't this the white stallion we've come to stay and the guy's like white stallion no nah, i'm greg this is my house this is greg's house well we stayed here last night when it was the white stallion <laughs> I ain't know anything about that. It's Greg's house now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would actually to, be really good. You you yeah. go down the go down the street. I think Phil's house became the uh, harness talk. <laughs> yeah, if I remember. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Especially if you don't tell this lore to your party like this is how your party finds out about this lore. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, make these three that I just said. If you even have them, the like only three that stick around, and yeah. the rest are just always changing. Yeah, I just like the Wandering Wyvern too, uh, because like with its mismatched furniture and connected homes, it just sounds like a bar in Montreal or like yeah, <laughs> really sounds like just like three hipsters were like heck it, let's just knock down our walls and make an inn tavern. <laughs> exactly, mason jars are the only thing you could drink out of. <laughs> Iriabor is still an independent and strong city state, despite the best efforts of Eltragard to bring it into the fold. The City of a Thousand Spires is not free of Ultraguard's influence, however. Where competing states might seek to overrun a rival through force of arms, Ultraguard attempts to woo Erebor with gifts, largesses, and promises of safety, all delivered by some blazoned paladins. Some merchants of the city freely accept these gifts, even going so far as to allow small companies of Ultraguard knights to stay in their guest towers. More than a few see this as a threat, but others say the resident paladins are gracious and handy to have around when true evil is afoot. During the second sundering, Eriwar was hit with a strong earthquake, and that is the latest lore on it. I really don't know what happened after that, but it just said in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide that a strong earthquake tremored through Eriwar in the second sundering. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, I like. <laughs> I mean, I don't like, but uh, these freaking pompous elder guard paladins. Yeah. <laughs> pretentious, lawful, good little assholes. <laughs> no, here's gifts. We're not better than you. I mean, we are better than yeah. you. Look at our gifts. Look at our, gifts. Look at our great... <laughs> Look at our great sun-blazoned armor. We're paladins. Join us. <laughs> oh, we're the Elder God. <laughs> we we definitely didn't run away from battle and doom an archangel for eternity. Ha ha ha. No, we're fantastic and great. <laughs> I love. I just love this. They show up in sun-blazoned armor. Like, they send their gifts with their fully armored paladins. Yep. Because they're just so pompous and full of themselves. I, I, I don't know if Elder Rel is actually pompous and full of itself. It's just... Based off just their yeah, aesthetic it's very and how much they like, yeah, and how based on their aesthetic and how much they like guard the region, it just really to me makes me feel like they're all like I don't know holier than thou. Yep. Yeah, it's very funny. It's it's yeah. I, I, I'll say if you're playing Iria Born Fabi, maybe you have a bit of fallout. You have some fallen towers, or maybe people mentioned the earthquake, but. I don't know. It's up to you. It's up to you if that actually caused anything to happen. Maybe the maybe the earthquake was the oh. um, Shadow King coming back to life. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. No, 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 no. Use that as it. That happens during your campaign, and that frees the Shadow King. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. The earthquake happens, frees the Shadow King. A bunch of the towers topple, and Iriabor becomes like this terrifying like bloodborne area mm, that's cool dark souls area yeah. where like the whole city is like a mismatch of people trying to stay alive you know the 
gates have been locked to seal the stuff in, but it also sealed whoever couldn't get out out. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's um, what you in. could do, actually. Do it like the earthquake happened. There's obviously something like freed. And so the Ultra Guard immediately lock out, like do a uh, make a completely corridor. They, they just, just seal, seal it. it. Yeah. Well, there's already precedent for that, too, because that's what they did to uh, Fort Morninglord. Right. So, like, they just they just show up and they just quarantine it and go, we'll deal with this later. Yeah. Um, and then dealing with it later is the party. But you're, yeah, well, 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 you're stuck inside as the party. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, like you were there. And or, um, that'd be cool, too. I was originally yeah, thinking you'd cool. need to come up with some way to get around the Elter Guard to get in. Yeah. Because they won't let you in. That could be cool too. Like a little, mm-hmm. like if you have some rogues yeah. in your party, it'd be a nice little sneak mission. You got to find your way in like through the sewers or something. Yeah, both very cool. Yeah, both great. Yeah, I love that. Established in the 15th century, the Elder Art is a theocracy ruled by those who are certain they walk the path of righteousness. The paladins of this land take pride in their moral clarity in pursuit of good. Eldregard is dominated by a second sun that hovers eternally in the sky above the city of Elturel, making this realm of endless daylight. Creatures of darkness cannot abide even the sight of the city. Unlike most countries, Eldregard has a state religion. Torm is revered in the temples that dot the landscape. The country in itself is too new to have much of a singular identity other than the shared religion and righteousness that many see as too righteous. Elshagard is a relatively small island of order and hope in the inhospitable swath of the western heartlands. Over the years, hundreds of people fleeing a mummy's curse, a vampire service, or some other undead involvement have arrived here, settling in Elturel in particular. The forests surrounding this land have grown wild and dangerous. Pocket of plague land, festering several miles to the south, has a habit of spewing forth occasional monstrosities. Yeah, I just shat on it, but like the second sun is really cool, and the Elder Guard is a really interesting place in uh, the current map of Faerun. It's real. I think it's really interesting with the surrounding areas. It's very singular. It's very like because yeah, as I said, there's like there's one religion there, state religion, which doesn't really happen in the other countries. It's a very new country. Like I, I didn't know it was so new, and so I was expecting to have some like religion, like some holidays and some yeah. like cultural touchstones. But there just isn't because it's too new. It's too. It, it, it was it was built up because of the spell plague, and now it's just kind of stayed. There's just so much going on though. Like there's like Yuan T to the north. If you want to go into a Yuan T dungeon, like I just said, there's yep. these overrunning um forests the surrounding land growing wild and dangerous there's this uh festering plague land to the south like it is a really cool place to set an adventure uh arc or a campaign in Mm. also the second sun is quite cool um you just have to be resigned to not having any undead in your campaign yeah and you're good (laughs) you're good yeah we'll get more into it as we get deep into it uh, the ultra guard like next next week when we do ultra yeah i i'll i'll pick up i'll jump into the deities of faerun and pick out some torm uh specific religious ceremonies because i'm sure those are like natural national holidays here he's uh um he's the god of righteousness duty and loyalty yeah exactly <laughs> which is like uh like yeah kind of eye roll yeah of course you are into this you paladin well that's it too i think ultra guard is an interesting place to set your to set your campaign because you have that like they're very righteous but as you said they're not perfect they're human or not human but they're they're valuable mortals oh if you go to el they're mostly human 
they they're they don't like other races right and like so show that like good isn't always good it isn't like infallibly good like there is some dirt well they're jackasses about yeah, it exactly like it's like they're they're good they're just assholes about being good yeah right and they take good they take their righteous duty to a fault to the point where it's like well what you're doing may be good right now but it's not good in the long run and it's not good for me i think it'd be cool yeah if you had a really strong theme you wanted to hammer home um in a campaign this is a good place to set it you know like what is what does duty actually mean you know what is what does loyalty actually mean how to test the bonds of loyalty that could be a cool campaign theme test the bonds of loyalty i think yeah it's it's a very cool place to set a campaign because it has all those like inherent questions as we're recording this i just made a tweet about black and white or moral gray and this is a place that you could really like explore that wonderfully yeah i think it could be a good place to set a campaign yeah like with a theme like that because i do think that part of the detractor of Faerun as a setting is that it is really broad as a setting it doesn't really have a theme besides high fantasy like there's so much going on between the gods and the factions and the different city states and the different countries and i see that as both a positive and a negative and i think that is why it is the main setting for dungeons and dragons because it can encompass anything but i think that's also why people really cling to eberron or black sun Sun. these settings that the setting itself has a baked-in theme that you can work around like black sun's theme is kind of like dark sun dark sun's meme or theme is kind of based around you know like uh pollution and from what i've read the wizards kind of take the wizards kind of take the place of like i don't know capitalists ruining the world because their magic ruins the world and i can i can see how that you know what i'm trying to say i think eltrell is a nice little touch of that within pharaoh yeah i agree i very much agree yeah it's that's the thing with Faerun as we talk about this uh, in the podcast. It's like it is such a broad setting that it's, it's huge. Yeah. Like choose Kalmshan if you want um, a certain type of like desert campaign pick like, you know, Tathir if you want Lord of the Ringsian one. And yeah, if you're if you're feeling wild, travel throughout it. But I feel like it's it is usually best to pick like one spot and really hone in on that. Because if you, because it is such a wild um, tonal shift, if you do go uh, throughout throughout the world, yeah, perfect. Burdusk is sometimes called the jewel of the Vale. This is not a term that pleases residents of the rival neighboring city of Iriabor, though the two cities are firm allies in matters of trade and defense. The Old Dune Trail crosses the upper Chanthar at Burdusk. Three bridges actually span the river there, two making use of a fortified island to shorten their leaping spans. This spot's usefulness as a landmark and parley place has made it a place long inhabited by different peoples. First the elven Moot of Clearspring, then the human fishing village Soldaskun, and finally the city known today. The current city is named for Burdusk Orkslayer, a local human warrior whose energetic patrols drove orcs from the area, making it safe to farm and opening the Vale for human settlement. Today, Burdusk is an important trading center, much involved in the shipments of goods. The high-sided local wave bridges are winched carefully through the rapids, which have been known to smash normal rafts and barges, sending crews and cargoes to the freshwater kelpies below. Businesses in the city also make wagons and excellent barges, and do extensive wagon repairs. Their wheels are very fine, is also known for its wool and its 
fine, dark, sweet wine. Nice little place. Y'all went to Burdusk in the last mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah, Burdusk. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a, uh, it's got a some neat little lore. I like the um, like river that cuts through the middle of it it's mm. not even a river like it's just a weird little tail that like goes nowhere yeah exactly <laughs> like just looking at the map it doesn't make any sense but um it's cool yeah i like it yeah it's very that's cool. a nice little it's also a nice little like mid like it's big but it's not you know elterel or water deep big. exactly yeah yeah it's a good uh, mid-size area to go to the ruler of burdusk high lady sin Silarian dragon breast is one of the leaders of those who harp i mean okay Siliria, cool name dragon breast less less of a cool name dragon breast less of a cool name their most powerful base twilight hall stands in burdusk with the aid and protection of the harpers and Waterdeep's friendship and financial support Siliria became High Lady of Burdusk. There she founded Twilight Hall. The harbors were immediately called on to defeat the brigand Zentarum out of Darkhold and mercenary hired by Omnium Merchant Interest attacks on Burdusk. Thus founded in war, Twilight Hall has become the base for the new breed of harpers willing to fight for a peaceful haven. They were accustomed to authority, organized ranks, and clearly established responsibilities. Under Kelbin's guidance, Cyrilleria drew up their code and ranks with an eye to prevent future abuse or tyranny, calling her formal organization the Order of the Silver Moon and Harp. Very cool. It is the most powerful of the present harbor bases in Faerun. The complex of low fieldstone buildings is all sweeping curves, turrets, and royal blue banners, each adorned with a random scattering of silvery stars, flapping against the background of gray stone. Firstly, part of Burdusk's Temple of Denier, the gates of Twilight Hall are two stone posts topped by carved eyes on which sit enchanted, ever-burning candles. These structures enclose a number of small courtyards planted with gardens or moss lawns to form a small secluded bowers or exercise, play, and weapon practice areas. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to continue because this place is huge. The temple includes a bakery, a smokehouse, and kitchens. Most non-Harper visitors can smell these and see the courtyard, but they see no more of the interior of Twilight Hall than a small audience room opening directly off the path from the gates. This room holds a simple wooden table and two chairs drawn at it facing each other. On the walls are detailed maps of Faerun. The ceiling is lost in magical darkness in which wink in, in which wink tiny lights arrange as stars in the night sky. Any being touching the table and willing themselves to rise activates a permanent levitating effect that lifts themselves up in the night sky illusion, a ceiling hole that is concealed into a greater complex. Twilight Hall is known to have several moving walls, illusionary stone walls, and real partitions that can be erected in the space of a few breaths to block off or redirect passages. These sometimes used to restrict the movements of guests or confuse their knowledge of how certain areas of Twilight Hall are laid out. Another notable feature of the hall is the phantom music. Customarily played in the galleries that open off the central hall and passages linking it with other buildings, the intricate, hauntingly beautiful tones are a result of modified, improved ghost pipes 
spells. Magical modes of light and real instruments are sometimes animated to dance along with the music. I love how pageantry filled this place is. That way to enter I, by going up to the yeah. illusion in the ceiling. That's so freaking cool. This would be a fantastic place to either defend or lay siege upon. Mm. If you were the Harpers, you're defending it from the Zentarum. If you're the Zentarum, you're attacking this place. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would be great. Getting all the information if you're attacking it. You know, all the information to get inside and, like, try to figure out, like, all these things. Like, okay, like, I heard you just have to do this for Levitate Spell. And, like, you could do, like, a whole heist planning mission with this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this place is, it's super cool. I love it. I love how they also have, like, all the stuff they need to live there because they're just a bunch of spies. Yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, we've we've got a bakery and we've got everything we need here because we're spies and we don't want to leave unless we have to do important stuff. Yeah, very cool. Super cool. I love the pageantry. Also, we might get into this later when we get to Waterdeep, but it's worth saying now, Kelvin is no, I mean, Kelvin's dead yeah. now, but Kelvin stopped being a Harper. Yeah, yeah. Before he no died longer. and started his own organization that was the Cool Harpers. <laughs> the cool harpers who fuck <laughs> yeah his his is better because it's just like take the harpers yeah. and instead of making them neutral good make them chaotic good yeah <laughs> high lady Silyria keeps burdusk firmly in the lord's alliance and the city welcomes all demi-human races the silent lady loves music and poetry and the city attracts the best traveling minstrels and musicians increasingly joined by noted bookbinders lumineers and sculptors this thriving, growing community of artisans has begun has begun to rival Waterdeep in haunters, if not in numbers and quality, and has begun to attract patrons, thieves, and wild romantic tales about its doings. Super cool. It's a nice little city. Yeah. City run by the Harpers. Yeah, it's an artist yeah, city. Yeah, what do you expect? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it would be fun to just do, like, a lot of, you know, public performances and, like, everyone has very, like, artistic, yeah. I don't know, entrances and murals around. Like, just, yeah, play this up as, like, any college town or, or uh, artsy city you've ever been in. And I feel like you're doing it right. Yeah, it's got a lot of flavor. It's a lot of flavor. Within the walls, the city is nearly bisected by the Clear Spring. West of the Tor is the Inner Chamber, the local temple of Denier. This is actually sanctum within Twilight Hall, the Harper stronghold doesn't officially exist. So if you talk to anyone, they'll say, oh, that's the Temple of Denier. That's not, that's not where the Harpers go. <laughs> Southwest and south of the Temple of Denier are shrines to Lathander and Azuth, respectively. The Temple to Helm stands almost also so. The Temple to Helm stands also to the southwest of the Inner Chamber. A shrine to Lyra lies south and slightly east of the Inner Chamber of Denier. Travelers should beware. Shrines to Lyra and Tempest are situated northwest of Clearspring Tor. A shrine to Joaquin right off the Tor to its northwest has become a house for hungry merchants, where the downtrodden on their luck traders can get a warm bed and meal thanks to the donations by Burdusky merchants. Clearspring Tor has been left as a park where folks often stroll, meet, eat meals, bought from street vendors, or listen to minstrels. Favorite Burduskian snack is the Golden Star, a triangular egg bread loaf stuffed with sausage, chopped tubers, and chicken sauce. Okay, I was about to say egg bread loaf shaped like a star. I was going to say that that sounds so good. And then you got me, you lost me at 
tubers and chicken sauce. Chicken sauce. <laughs> I, chicken sauce. I don't want to know what those are. What's a, what's a tuber? Well, no, tubers are, um, aren't they root vegetables? I don't know. Yeah, I think tubers are root vegetables. Well, that part sounds good because I'm a vegetarian, but chicken sauce. Chicken Have you ever had that red sauce that they sometimes have with fries in Quebec or like weird poutines? It's like a red sauce oh a tuber is just a, like a potato yeah exactly oh never mind this sounds good i'm vegetarian too but if i wasn't this yeah. sounds good <laughs> yeah exactly I, I mean chicken sauce yeah it'd be pretty good northwest of the temple of denier stands a large rocky knoll known as castle hill its three clad slopes are crowned by the high lady's castle See, um, okay, wait. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, but it's Castle Hill, not Castle Heel. <laughs> oh, sorry, I said it <laughs> weird. Castle Hill. <laughs> okay, um, Vass brought this up. Yeah, I think last week, but uh, we need to release a bonus episode that is just me correcting you a million times. It's <laughs> yeah. just, it's just ten minutes of me correcting your pronunciation. <laughs> It's fair. I mean, I usually edit it out. I know you edit it out. That's why I'm saying take all your edits, <laughs> okay, go through yeah. go through them, take the edits, and make a <laughs> make a little bonus episode, like the Christmas special. It's just five minutes of that. <laughs> or at the end of one episode, just put a bunch of them. I The original plan of this podcast was just me trying to do the pronunciations. <laughs> it's tree-clad slopes are crowned by the High Lady's Castle, seat of the city government and a working fortress, home to most of the city's guard. The other guards dwell in the gate's guards' towers. Boundaries of Castle Hill are adorned by rows of small but very inclusive high-towered homes. These are the most desirable addresses in Burdusk. They are all claimed by citizens so rich that they can leave open commerce behind and pretend to be fun-loving nobility while they keep cold, sharp eyes on the careful investments that support them. Wow, old money. Yep, it's old money. Old as balls. The Temple of Helm in the city bears the modeling of an idyllic castle, which the faithful of Helm train in the day and revel in past glories at night. The temple offers training and healing to any adventurers who are willing to pay, and those who prove themselves of good heart are invited to the nightly revels. The Temple of Ogma in the city is dedicated to lore and the history of the land, as well as current news. Wow, the Temple to Ogma is dedicated to Ogma stuff? Yeah, who could have guessed? Wow, wow. It is headed by the energetic high lore master of the temple. That's what we should call ourselves. The High Lore Masters. The gnome Bransildin Mirator, Bransildin Mirator, who delights in going in the city and the surrounding area in many disguises and listening into the stories of the people of the city. He has devised several spells that allow him to record what he hears, edit, in, edit it in his mind, and then transcribe it from afar when he wishes into books laid out ready at the table the clergy here value diaries fancy tale chapbooks and other fancies of rumors and lore that other scholars belittle or sneer at they will offer a great reward for any tomes from the long lost netheral the shrine to joaquin offers poor visitors and beggars of the city a warm bed and a meal the meal is usually thick beef and carrot stew enlivened by anonymous lumps of chopped meat and vegetables. The house is a big, drafty barn of a place run by merchant donations. All weapons must be surrendered by this to the staff during the visitor's stay. By city law, six nights a stretch is the longest a person can stay in the house. Pretty cool. I really like um, Bransildon. I think uh, that would be a really interesting NPC. You gotta go and get uh, lore yeah. from him. But uh, of course, he's got a quest you gotta do. But because he's a funky little gnome, the quest is a funky 
little quest. I think that'd be uh, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I also just really enjoy this like that they like kind of gossip or things that your players could have. Like your players aren't going to run around with like yeah ancient tomes maybe if they find it in the dungeon, but like they like yeah they like gossip. So like they will take what your your players have to say and be interested in it or maybe send you off to get like a weird gossip. Yeah. Almathers by the water is a shop for rare and strong weaponry, such as gauntlets that have hidden daggers in the fingers or goblets with concealed blades or poison spouts as well as snuff. Okay. I feel like they wouldn't be hidden on the fingers. It's just pointed finger. Gauntlet. I know. It's, yeah, I know. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's a pointy gauntlet. <laughs> Get out of here with hidden. As well as snuff boxes with hidden dangerous additives. Andrier's Fine Pages contains a wide variety of books from all realms, as well as special stationery for magical and non-magical books alike. As well, there is Thunderwood Forays, a standard adventuring gear shop. The dawn of any day has a several shops across the city. The distinctive sigil of the shop of the rays of the sun rising over a harp which stands atop a loot, appears otherwise plain wooden doors. They offer access to the shop. This shop is run by a mysterious veiled lady known only as Darthine. She sells items that bear minor enchantments, in particular musical instruments. Persistent rumor in Burdusk insists that these minor magics have spells laid on them that certain harpers know where they are at all times. The items of the shop float in bubbles that if anyone but Dar- Darthine tries to grab, they will float away from reach. The more rare and impressive the magic items here are cursed in a way that forces whoever receives them to go on adventures of the curse's specifications. Yeah, this is where Gabe... Oh, right, yeah. Gabe went here. Gabriel, Br- Gabriel Brightborn, our resident bard and harper... This is where Gabe got um, his loot that could summon Harpers. Right, 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 right. Because of this, because of this enchantment that let Harpers know where you are. Yeah. And in my world, I just made it so that she stocks all the Harpers with these, mm. and that's how they find each other. Because they're, I mean, I think they have like a special Harper song that you can play to summon Harpers too. Yeah. But I liked this, and I liked the magic shop, and we had a bard, so. Yeah, Gabe went here and it was fun. Yeah, and I like this idea of all these floating bubbles. So like she kind of curates what you see. And I like the idea of these curses that send you on yeah. on missions. So it's it's kind of like le- a leveling up magical item, which I always love in D&D. But like, yeah, you, you have this curse where you have to do the adventure. And maybe you get the benefits of the weapon right away. But like then you, you can fully realize it and enjoy it once you've done all the all the tasks that it needs you to do it's pretty it's pretty cool very cool the flores flagon tavern is a favorite of adventurers in particular gnomes dwarves and halflings on most nights their rowdy carousing can be heard up and down the street as they dance sing her flagons at each other and generally have a good time the walls are adorned with paintings often inept and amateurish done by patrons proudly depicting heroic highlights of their venturing careers. <laughs> it looks like a child's drawn-on nursery wall full of slaughtered orcs, drows, dragons, liches, beholders, and mind flayers, with a lot of short, plump, bearded folks posing dramatically, chest swollen, in between or atop the dying monsters. There's also the running stag. The decor in the stag's taproom mimics the forest, with pillars done up to look like trees, vines, and living tree limbs sprouting leaves overhead. There's even a spring in the taproom, it is a favorite among rangers, elves, and other forest folk. There is also the tankard halls for those who are looking to drink 
but nothing fancy. Those looking for something fancy can find themselves at the Herald's Rest, which is a mansion turned fest hall that is funded by the Heralds of Faerun and said to be a hiding spot for information. It's pretty cool. I love the... I love that the uh, flourished flagon is just bonds off Broadway in Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the drawings on the walls. It's, it's a place in Vancouver yeah. for people listening that is uh, the classic staple. You get a really cheap, there was like the, what is it, like the $2 it's breakfast. Three, it's three twenty five, I think, for breakfast. Like the, like the yeah, like a $3 breakfast, yeah. and they encourage you to write on their walls and tables and stuff, so the whole place is just like this. It's just... Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. It's very fantastic. And yeah, I just find the running stakes so funny. It's like, it's all these rangers and like elf, elves and stuff there. And like, oh, it's like the fall. You, you go in and it's just like 30 Aragorns all sitting yeah, in the exactly. brooding. <laughs> all and brooding. And also, I just want to say, I find it very funny that the heralds, the people we learned about who are like yeah. the choosers of nobility own or fund i guess not own but fund a fest hall yeah that's that's very funny (laughs) yeah so i don't know if i was from burdask if i was playing a character from burdask you know obviously a harper easy easy to pick up i think i would also really enjoy playing someone who was like a down on their luck merchant who was like staying at that temple of joaquin or actually no this is even better forget that I like uh, play someone who is a cleric or venerated to Ogma, and their whole quest is to go out and get rumors and gossip from other cities and other towns. So every town you end up, you have your own little quest to like go and like get the latest gossip or the latest like I don't know whatever news of the city is, uh, and like write it down and like put it in your diary to come back to this temple. Okay, I've got two character ideas that both start okay. the same way. Okay. You're a funky little guy. You don't have to be a funky little guy, but it works better if you're a funky little guy. Um, funky little girl, funky little person. Okay, so you uh, went out and bought a griffin. Yeah. You saved up all of your life savings to buy a griffin, or grandpa died and left you money, and you sp- you somehow came into a bunch of money and immediately blew it all on a griffin. Right. You didn't know how to fly a griffin. Mm. So the griffin just picked you up and flew you away. You fell, and then, um, so first character concept, while flying the griffin, it decided to shake you off because it realized that you're not, you know, you're not good enough to pilot me. I'm a royal beast. Yeah. Um, it shakes you off over Nahara. Oh, gosh. You fly through the sky, crash through the domed ceiling of a Yuan-Ti palace, <laughs> landing straight into their pool of Yuan-Ti goop, and it transforms you into a Yuan-Ti. <laughs> they, were, they were just about to put, I don't know, Gerald? Yeah. They were just about to do the ritual to Gerald, and you took Gerald's place, and now you're a Yuan-Ti. And Gerald's like, oh man. Bam. You're from Iriabor, you're a Yuan-Ti. The reason you're adventuring is you ran away from the Yuan-Ti instantly, freaking yeah. out. Um, and now you are journeying to remove your Yuan Ti curse and go back to being a funky little person in Area Very cool. Thank <laughs> You're too afraid to go home. The other story is the exact same thing, but you fell into a forest, fell somewhere, and became a warlock. Mm, 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 mm. You know, you landed in a dragon's nest or something, a dragon's yeah. horde, and the only way you escaped was you hid in the horde and you accidentally touched something in the horde. And the thing in the mm. horde went, I see you're in a... You've met a terrible fate, haven't you? And you're like, who's there? And it's like, I can get you out of here. Do you really think you could sneak past a great worm as this? And you're like, no. And they're like, well, accept me into your heart and I will let you escape. And now you're duped into a warlock pact because you fell into a dragon's horde because your griffin was like, I don't like you. 
Yeah, very both, cool. I think both of those would be fantastic characters. You can't return also, home because you got to do Warlock stuff now. got to do Warlock stuff now. Also, I would play Burdusk up because it is an Eltrell. I play it up as like, maybe this is too close to home or too close to reality for me, but like the place you go when you're in like a very religious like state or country and like it is the, the college town, it is the cool town where all the artists are. Yeah. And so like, you know, you always grew up like, I don't know, Torm isn't really for me. I don't really want to be a paladin, but like, my dad was a paladin and my two brothers became a paladin, but like, I just, I, I enjoy music or I enjoy like painting. And so you go to Burdusk and it's like the first place you experience with like people who travel and who are like interested in, interested in other things than like righteousness and like fighting evil. And you're like, you kind of went to Burdusk as like, yeah, this like haven of our artistry in this very like That'd be cool. We are we are righteous ta- like country or area. Um, another one could be uh, you were born a tiefling. Mm. Elturel, uh, we're doing Elturel next week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As everyone will learn next week, um, Elturel is like kind of racist in the real lore. So you were born a tiefling and had to leave. So you went to Burdusk. Yeah, you just didn't want to be there. Or you didn't even like they didn't even kick you out. You just hated it there yeah because everyone treated you like garbage because you were a tiefling so you moved to Burdusk. whether or not your parents disowned you or came with you or just were neutral about it is up to you depends on uh if you're a rogue or a warlock they disowned you if you're a bard they right. uh didn't come with you but they funded your trip to college town um if you're you know a brooding ranger or fighter then they didn't fund you they were new they didn't care they were Perfect. just like bye Bam, Great. perfect. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. I like my accidental Yuan-Ti backstory. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. I mean, I love Yuan-Ti. That's it for a journey today. Enjoy a good rest and a good meals while you're in the city. Next episode, we'll cover Eltroel. Thank you, Liv. Oh, I'll, actually, I will say, spoiler, 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 spoiler. There will be so many spoilers in the Eltroel episode. Do not listen unless you want in the entirety of Descent into Avernus spoiled sounds about right thank you lily for joining me yeah thank you also for the amazing cover art yeah and blood and dust for the theme music around the fire find them on Bandcamp. links in the description of the episode please remember to rate you review and subscribe at apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and have a great long rest bye